So we're going to continue along the lines of our series on sonship. Um, has this been blessing you? Amen. Uh, so the five stages of sonship are, yeah, give me the next slide. Nepios, Pation, Technon, Nanisco, and Weos. Now, the numbers that you see on here are, are dealing with the, in the natural how it looks in our culture. In the Greek culture, it's like Nepios is like zero to two and then two to ten. But in our culture, we see teenagers being different. You know, teenage doesn't start when you get to like 16. You see what I'm saying? It starts at uh, 13. And so we have the, the uh, education level there to kind of give you an understanding of the mind and the understanding that this particular child has. And so last, uh, the last couple weeks, we have been doing the Nepios child, but we have moved on from the Nepios. Now, some of the things dealing with the Nepios was letting us know that we are newborn, all right? You are Nepios when you are, uh, um, well, actually, you are Brethos when you are just being born again, all right? And then after you have been introduced to doctrine, okay, you, are, you become a Nepios, all right, but at the Nepios level, as you can see, I have uh, from between zero and five years old, a preschooler. And we talked about who can a preschooler help? All right, who can a newborn baby help? Nobody, all right? And this is how you have to see yourself on these five stages. Every time I talk to someone from another ministry um, uh, and even talking to people who are in denominations. And you know, everyone wants to grow without having this understanding. And I continually ask people, before I introduce them to the five stages of sonship now, this is what I do. I ask them a question. How do you track your growth in Christianity? They always, you have to ask that question first. Because if you introduce the five stages, they're going to already say, I'm at this stage, I'm growing. But you cannot grow through these stages if you have not been introduced to these stages. And that is for the biggest church in the world to the person who's been, who's been pastoring, who's been in ministry for 200 years. It doesn't matter. You have to walk through these stages. If you don't walk through, now, now watch this. This is just the side of sonship. We have not gotten to the orphan spirit. We're just talking about sonship here. We have not gotten to the orphan spirit. So we're just talking about the side in which you mature and you grow into Christ. We're not talking about the side where you lose, okay, the mindset of the world, where you lose the mindset of your natural family, where you lose a mindset and the pain and the hurt from your past. All the things that happened to you in earth that were not supposed to happen to you, but they only happened to you because Adam fell. They only happened to you because you did not grow up in a household that was totally godly. You didn't have a godly mother. You didn't have a godly father. You grew up in a household and you experienced things that you were not supposed to experience. Now, when you come into the fold, we have to teach and love those things out of you. Now, that's just the orphan side. 
The five stages of sonship deals with how we, we're going to teach you. This is us informing you of who Christ is, who you are in the spirit, who your heavenly father is. That's what the five stages is all about. We have not gotten to the orphan spirit yet. And now that we're introducing this, this is just going to be a staple. You're going to probably see some of this in every marriage, in, uh, in, every, um, in every message. Because when we talk about marriage, all right, when you become, first become a husband or you first become a wife, you are at the nepios level. When you're first introduced to love, you don't love like a weas. You love like an infant. Plus, you have to lose love. You have to lose the, the way in which the world has taught you to love. You have to lose the way in which your family loved you. Because you know, we black, especially black folks, we got a weird way of loving people. I'm from Chicago. They just walk up to you and cuss you out. What up, B? And that's how they, but that's how, that's how they kick it. That's how they get along. You can't do that in church. But we have to lose that because some people are like that, okay? Some people, their love is insulting people. Because they come from a family where all they do is sit around and talk about each other. And that's okay in a family. But when you get out and go get a job, you at the job calling people son of a bee, 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 and you think that's okay. So even when you come on this side, you have to lose the love. You have to lose what you were taught, the way you were taught to love, the way you were taught to handle people. So we're doing the five stages of sonship, and today we're going to do the Pation child. The Pation child is from the ages of six to the age 12, all right? We've left the Nepios stage, and we went in, and, but we have not reached the teenage stage, all right? We know our ABCs now. We know our one, two, threes now. Okay, and the biggest thing with the Pation uh, is that they know their father. All right, not only does a Pation know their father, but they want to be, they, they find themselves humbling themselves and wanting their father's kingdom. And so we're moving on from the Nepios, and we're going to talk about the Pation child on today. Now, the Greek definition for the Pation child, and I just actually found out in the Greek is Pidon, but I said I've heard several people say it, um, Pation or Pidon, whichever one floats your boat. All right. So a Pidon child is a Pation child is a half-grown boy, a girl, figuratively speaking, someone who is still immature. It is a little child of a more advanced stage. Medic metaphorically, it is a child in intellect. It is a child in intellect. So the Pation child is a child who has grown past the Nepios, but they are still have not matured enough to take their life. Okay, they still have not matured enough to run their life. And I know this is kind of hard, you know, to deal with, especially when we've been saved for so long. Okay, we've been in church so long. 
we've been knowing God for so long and it's hard to come back and see. it's humbling. OK, but in the end, it's going to be worth it. Amen. All right, let's get into the teaching on today. So now our focus is always is going to be growth. I think that's just the mantra of this ministry. All right. Our focus is growth. We have to move past milk. We have to move past milk. All right. We have to move past milk onto solid food, which means we have to grow. We have to grow and get our teeth. All right. At every age, we need milk. Now, don't get me wrong. There's no age you don't need milk. Every age you need to be reminded of the simplicity of the gospel, the simple things. But we have to get to a place where we can eat solid food to the place where we can chew on the word and we can digest it because you don't want to come in here. All right. Well, you're not going to do that, but you don't want to come in here. And, and every time you come in here, you're getting milk. And then the only reason why you're getting milk is because I can't move on because you have not grown. And if you have not moved out of Nepios, you can't even touch your inheritance. You can see it. You can talk about it, but you can't touch it. You can't have it. Galatians 4 and 1 tells us as long as the Nepios. OK, although the Nepios is an heir, although the child is an heir, it differs nothing from a slave, although it owns everything. I just told you all things belong to us. There is nothing that you want. All right. That is that the, that is right by the by the way of the kingdom. OK, let me get that right. That you cannot have. And so we have to mature to get our, our inheritance. How many of y'all want y'all inheritance? How many of you want what the father has for you? I mean, he predestined you to have this. That is crazy. That is crazy that when you find out that he has predestined me, meaning before I was born, it was just sitting waiting on me. And so in order to do it, though, we have to grow up. We can't be like the prodigal son. And I don't even know why they call it the prodigal son. I think it should be an immature son and an orphan. That's what it should be, because he wanted his inheritance before it was time. When he got his inheritance, he took his inheritance and wasted it. What is Jesus letting us know? Why would Jesus tell us that story? Why would he tell us of a story of someone who wanted their inheritance and he, he specifically let us know it was the younger brother? Why would he tell us that story? He got his inheritance. He went, took his inheritance, left the father's kingdom, wasted it. And after a couple months, he didn't have anything left. Now he has to return back home, but now he wants to return back as a servant. When he walks in the father's presence saying, Father, I have sinned against heaven and, and in your sight. I just want to be a servant. The father doesn't even look at him, says, get this boy a robe, get this boy some rings, get this boy some sandals, prepare the best meal for him. We got to get this boy mine back right. So what does that let you know that the father would never respond to you when you talk to him like a slave? 
he won't respond. Also, this lets us know that you can do it the wrong way and still come back home. The Bible says he messed up the inheritance, but on his way back home, the father ran and met him. Which means he wasn't worried about the inheritance. He was worried about his child. He gets home. The father throwing a party for him. Now, you, you know how. Now, come on. You backslide in the church. They ain't throwing a party for you. They're going to sit you on the front <laughs> and embarrass you. They're not going to do that. But the father throws a party for him. And what happens? The brother pull up. What's going on in there? Your brother back. I ain't going in there. He messed up. Why he getting a party? Orphan. That's why I say, I don't know why we call it prodigal. Prodigal. The boy came back home. <laughs> Amen? And so we want our inheritance, but we're... He, Jesus letting us know, you can't get it. You can't get your inheritance before it's time, before it's too early. You can't get your inheritance too early because you will mess it up. You will destroy it. So our first scripture on today is going to come from 1 John 2 and 13. And I don't have a lot of scriptures on today, so we're going to get in and out. And it reads, I am writing you fathers because you know him who has been from the beginning. I am writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. I have written to you children because you know the father. Now, as you can see, even in scripture, or in ministry, he's letting you know that you have to address each one according to their stature. He says, I'm writing to you fathers because this is where you are. You know the one who was from the beginning. You understand the predestined purpose of the father. Not only you don't understand it intellectually, you understand it in your life. I tell people all the time, I started learning this stuff in 2010. Okay, and so he had to build me to get to the point where I can teach others this because I did not come from a ministry that taught this. I've never been a part of a ministry that even taught me that God was my father. Never heard a message that God was my father. Never heard a message that he loved me. Never heard a message. And so he says, Father, I'm writing to you because you have known him from the beginning. He says, I'm writing to you, young men, Nanisco. I'm writing to you because you have overcome the evil one. Then he says, I have written to you, children, Pation. Now, why is he writing to the Pation? Why is he writing to the why is he writing to the Pation? Because you know the father so as a pation you know the father now it is not intellectually it is not saying i i looked in the scriptures and i seen that god is my father 
It's not intellectually. It's not that you can say that God is my father because we've been saying that a long time, haven't we? And every time I tell somebody, oh, I know he's my father. No, you, yeah, you do know, but you don't know. It's actually two Greek words, two different Greek words for this word. So you know intellectually, then you know intimately. The nepios knows intellectually that God is their father. But when situations and circumstances arise in their life, that's not the first thing on their mind. When they sin, when the nepio sins, that's not the first thing on their mind. That God is their father. When the, the finances come up short, that's not the first thing that's on their mind. When illness comes, that's not the first thing on their mind. They don't know. They know, but they don't know. They have an intellectual understanding that God is my father. They can look in the scriptures, okay, but they don't know it in their heart. It, their mind has not absorbed this. It has not consumed it. The nepios does not know the father. Matter of fact, the nepios does not even know the son. This is what we're trying to get you at. We're trying to bring you to a place where you know the father and you know the son. Knowing the father helps you to know your origin, where you come from. When you know the origin and where you come from, you know the expectation on your life. When you know the son, you know the identity that you are supposed to have. You know how you're supposed to look and act as a child, as a daughter, as a son. Okay, until we know our father, we can't know the son. That's why Jesus said nobody knows the son and nobody knows the father. Except who the son reveals him to. So we're trying to move past intellect. We're trying to move past intellect. I see why the father did not want me to go to Bible school. I see why they didn't want me to go to Bible school. Because now, sitting back looking, I see that most people who study the Bible only know the Bible. They don't know God. Theology is supposed to be the study of God. I got a question for y'all in a second. I'm not going to give it right now. But knowing God doesn't make you respond like a child. Am I right? Come on. Knowing Jesus does not make you respond like a child. Am I right? We got proof of that, right? This only happens when you are taught this. This has to be intentionally poured in you. You can't accidentally do this. You can't accidentally become a doctor. You can't accidentally become a lawyer. You don't end up doing brain surgery on somebody by accident. It's not like changing a tire. <laughs> you, just, you just went to a Holiday Inn. Y'all remember that commercial? <laughs> and now all of a sudden, you are this thing. No, this has to be the object of your attention, of your affection. You have to dive in this word at the first stage saying, I'm going to find out who my father is. Go through every scripture. Go through the podcast. The first five messages that I taught in starting this ministry was how much God loved us as a father. The first five messages. Okay. Now, 
knowing the father answers so many questions. Because before you knew the father and you walked through the scriptures and you seen imitate me, what did you think that meant? You, or did you see it? <laughs> when you seen conform to the image of my son, what did you think that meant? What did you think it meant when Jesus said, be like your father who is in heaven? Or did you see it? Because when I was in the apostolic faith, the denomination, only thing they talked about was the book of Acts, being baptized in the name of Jesus. And it really wasn't baptized in the name of Jesus. It was baptized saying the name of Jesus. Okay. And they talked about receiving the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Now, when I was in the apostolic faith and I looked in scriptures, all I seen was what I was taught. That's why the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And how shall you hear unless someone sent? So whoever is teaching to you is doing what? They're giving you your faith. If you went to a Jehovah Witness church, that's how you believe until you get something different. When you know who your father is, you understand where your gifts, your talents, and your abilities come from. Am I right? Because watch this. You weren't thinking about casting out no devils till you became a Christian. <laughs> you weren't thinking about discerning spirits, praying in tongues, interpreting tongues. You know your gifts because you know your father. You know your abilities because you know your father. You can pinpoint why he put you here when you understand who he is. You know your personality. Now you know your character. It's all of a sudden now it's like we just got to love, right? We just have no choice now but to love. Every time we get outside the realm of love, it just gets uncomfortable. Why is that? It wasn't like that when we knew Jesus. Once we know, have known our father, we know the ways of his household. Now we can pray like a child. Before, every time I ask somebody this question, I, when Jesus prayed, I asked him, do you think Jesus was praying, give me the power of Elijah? Expand my territory like Jabez? You think Jesus was praying like that? Absolutely not. Why would he want to be like an Old Testament saint in which God was not their father? You can tell even in our prayers what we know. Give me the power of Elijah. Expand my territory. I'm not making fun of it. I'm just saying, like, we got to get this thing correct. It has to be corrected. You can't think wrong and live right. Okay? So first we have to learn now how to pray like a child. Now we have to learn how to worship like a child. Now you have to learn how to study like a child. 
So when you read the Old Testament and you read how the earth swallowed them up, you won't think as soon as you do something wrong, the earth going to swallow you up. How many of y'all been taught God through the Old Testament? Somebody said it best. They said, most of y'all don't have the gospel of Jesus. Most of y'all have the gospel of Moses. Most people preach the gospel of Moses. Obey the law or go to hell. Obey the law or he's going to take you out. Obey the law or the Lord's going to do this to you. When you don't see any of that in Paul's teachings. Okay. Now you can start to speak like a child. Think like a child. Reason like a child. Because you have to think. When Paul said when I was a Nepios, I, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. How did he speak, think, and reason before he was in Epios? So, like I told you, my question is, if you know God, but you don't know him as a father, do you know God? <laughs> it's hard to say, ain't it? Hard saying. If you know God, but you don't know him as a father, do you know God? You don't. Or you know him, but you don't know him. You know that he exists. Everybody says we know that there is a God. But until you know him as a father, you don't know his plan. Until you know him as a father, you don't know his heart. You have no idea what his agenda is until you know him as a father. The Old Testament saints knew God. They knew God. They fellowship with him. They spoke. He used them in mighty ways, but they were never children. They could never be called his children. That's what they did not get. The Bible said they all died having not received the promise. They had the law, but they couldn't get grace. You have grace. Why would you want the law? Recently, the father has been really dealing with me about telling you guys, don't focus on gifts. Do not focus on, that's going to come. Now, when I say don't focus on them, I mean, do not let that be the focal point of your faith. Q sent me some scriptures uh, this week. And I was, I, was, I was reading the scriptures and I came upon the scripture where Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not do what I told you, tell you to do? And he basically said, I'm only the Lord of those who do the will of my father. Okay, what's the will of his father? You see what I'm saying? He said, why are you calling me Lord, Lord, but you're not doing what I told you to do? He said, the only way you can call me Lord is if you do the will of my father. Then he went on to say, in that day, this is what y'all gonna say. Now, he, he, now watch this. He impressed on my heart to tell you guys, don't worry about prophesying, don't, don't worry about that. Okay, well, practice it, but don't make that your faith. Don't think that that means you have power. Casting out devils does not mean you have power. Prophesying does not mean you have power. Doing miracles does not mean you have power. 
Why would I say that? Jesus said in that day, they're going to say, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Lord, did we not cast out devils in your name? Lord, did we not do miracles in your name? And he says he's going to say to them, depart from me. I never knew you. Let that sink in for a second. Now, when I said it, I said it because he put it on my heart. But then he gave me the scripture to back it up. That's why Jesus said, don't rejoice in the fact that devils submit to you. Because when the devil submitted to Jesus, they walked up to him. When Jesus walking, they run up to him and said, we know who you are. You are the son of God. That's how devils see you. Don't rejoice in that. <laughs> that's just how they see you. They see you like that because that's how you're connected. So don't rejoice in who you are or how they the, the demonic respond to who you are. Rejoice in the fact of who you are. Our next scripture. Matthew chapter 18 we're going to do verses 1 through 6 for my note takers let's feel very chill vibe in here I like this and it reads at the time the disciples came to Jesus and asked so who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven he called a child and had him stand amongst him now, he called a child. They asked the disciples, the people who he was teaching, call, asked him a question. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, you think he would have said me. <laughs> you think he would have said me. You think he would have said me, Jesus, I'm the greatest in the kingdom. But instead, he pulled a child. Now, this is symbolism because he could have pulled a nepios. He could have pulled a weas. He could have pulled a fully mature son up and said, this is what the greatest in the kingdom look like. He could have pulled a technon. He could have pulled the nanisco, but he pulled a pation. He pulled a little child up. And verse three said, truly I tell you. Now, what does truly I tell you mean? This is how heaven sees things. Truly I tell you. Unless you turn and become like children, Pation, you would never enter, experience the kingdom of God. So they want to know who's the greatest. He said, unless you turn, mean be converted. So unless you are born again, and then he said, become like a pation. So you have to be born again, but then you have to grow out the nepio stage into the pation stage or you would not enter into the kingdom of heaven. You would not experience the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven will look at you and say, when you talk, when you speak, when you think, when you act, the kingdom of heaven will look at you and say, you're too immature for us to respond to you. 
Told you last week, it's either yes or what? Amen. When you're not mature enough to receive it, it's an amen. But he wants you to have it. So until you level up to a Pateon child, meaning that you surpass a Nepios, you would not experience the kingdom of your father. You can't touch your inheritance. Adam lost the kingdom. Adam lost the relationship. I'm trying to get people to see this. Okay, and every time I talk to someone, they think I t this is not this is not just about sonship. This is about fatherhood. Okay, this is about us getting back what Adam lost. This is about us. Adam did not lose religion. Adam did not lose a pastor. He did not lose coming to church. Adam lost a relationship with a father. And until we get this relationship back, until we get this back, the Bible says we will be cursed. So watch this. Until you grow up, all right, to a weos, or until you grow through these stages, you're going to be cursed. Y'all with me? That don't sound good, do it. You're going to be cursed. The reason why is because cursed is simply you not having what the Father wants you to have. That's all it means to be cursed. The last scripture in the Bible, in, in the uh, Old Testament, uh, um, uh, Malachi said, unless we turn the heart of the Father to the children and the heart of the children to the Father, that the Father would have to come and smite the land with a curse. Soon as Adam sinned in the garden, the first thing he did was curse the ground. That's why he tell you when you don't pay tithes and offering that you're cursed. The curse does not mean that he's imposing stuff on you. It just means he bags up and said, I can't do nothing until you get on my system. I can't do nothing. I can't do anything until you mature. You're not cursed in the sense that he's uh, he's he's damning you. No. But it is, it is just like a young child decide. It's just like my 15-year-old son, okay, making a decision today that he's going to leave my household and do it his own way. I didn't curse him. But by default that he left my house, he doesn't get anything that comes along with being my child anymore. And so this is where we are now. We're trying to labor to enter back into that rest. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to become a, ch uh, a children and move back into the kingdom so we can stop working from this, from this cursed ground. So until you get, grow up, you can't have your life. Soon as Adam sinned, he had to get a job. Soon as he lost life with the fire, he had to get a job. First thing happened to him, he had to go get a job. <laughs> the first thing happened to Eve, oh, uh-oh. What was painless became painful. Adam living, watch this, Adam living in his father's kingdom, naming the animals, living in a luxury, walking in the cooler day with his father, and then 
Next thing you know, he's working from the dust of the ground. Mm-mm. Not trying to. You can have that. That's what, that's what Otha famous saying. You can have that. <laughs> Verse four. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child, this one is the greatest in the kingdom. Now, to being great means this, that you're greater than the Old Testament prophets, okay? It means that on earth, you are the greatest species. So, when, when he talks about us being the greatest, we are the greatest species on the earth. The greatest species on the earth is a child of God. The most powerful being on this planet is a child of God. Watch this. Who knows that? But look what he said. He said, whoever humbles himself and becomes like this child, Pation. So the thing about a Pation is that a Pation not only knows the father, but decides I'm going to humble myself. Which means he understands I don't know. The Pation understands I need to be taught. Humility is what? Emptying yourself so that the Father can be all in you. That's the mind of a pation. If you have not gotten there yet, I would hurry up. I would hurry up. In every area of your life, do not think, do not think in any area of your life that it is okay for you to make the decision without asking your Father. I was talking to, to, to Kina, and she said something that is not necessarily profound, but it's correct. She said, I think the father should choose everybody's spouse. What y'all think about that? What y'all think about that? I'm not looking at y'all. What y'all think about that? Okay. He has somebody for you. When you make the decision, it's rough. Come on now. I've been through a divorce. Let me help y'all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I made the bad decision. I did it. And you know what I thought? I thought the girl was the devil. She wasn't the devil. She wasn't mine. Wasn't nothing wrong with her. Something was wrong with the person who made the choice. Because the father had a predestined plan for my life, and I decided I was going to go choose what the, the thighs I like. Come on. I wasn't looking at her spirituality. <laughs> all right, all right. Okay. So the Pation child is humble, okay? The Pation child starts is the child that is where humility starts. Until you decide to humble yourself, to empty yourself out so the Father can be all in you, you can't learn anything. That's why the Bible says he resists the proud, but he does what? Give grace to the humble. He resists the prideful, but he exalts the humble. 
He resists the prideful, but the humble, he makes the greatest in the kingdom. And if you're the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, that means the angels respond to you different. And you'd be wondering why some people get their stuff before you get your stuff, or some people get more than you get, and it's all about humility. They've lost the ability to think for themselves. And in this culture and in this country, that's supposed to be a bad thing. I've had plenty of people talk about the Christianity brainwashing us. Really? <laughs> really? Okay. Y'all know I got a lot of stuff going through my head that I want to say, but um, the Holy Spirit is filtering it. <laughs> Like porno ain't brainwashing you. Like reality TV shows not brainwashing you. Like you not having a God to answer to is not brainwashing you. Like you're really doing better in your life. Have you ever noticed everybody who not Christianity life is trash? Everybody I know who knocks Christianity, life is terrible. All right. Verse five. And whoever welcomes one child like this in my name welcomes me. So the Pation child, watch this has the favor of the Father on him to the point where if you welcome him, you welcome the whole host of heaven. The Pation child has a degree of favor on his life now because why? It is able to hold the inheritance. You can't fully grab it, but you're able to touch the inheritance. You're able to experience the kingdom, experience your father's household. The Pation child has certain doors open for them. Why? Because they know who their father is. Why? Because they're humbling themselves. Because they are now focused on conforming to the image of Christ. That's why I tell you, I don't bark at people about coming to church. I'm just telling you to come so you can hurry up and get your stuff. Because missing don't help you conform. Okay? If you say you want to be a lawyer, stop skipping classes. I don't care. I mean, I do care. Let me not say, I do care. Okay, I wouldn't be standing up here wasting my time, okay? But I wouldn't be standing up here teaching if, if I didn't care. But I can't be one of those people who, where you at? Why you ain't here? You should have been here. Why ain't you here? I can't be that type of person because as the seats fill up, you can't do that to everybody. You can't call everybody. I think Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, just with the people we got in this church, I was busy on the phone. All three days. But if you want what you say belongs, if you want what belongs to you, you better show up. If you want what belongs to you, you better practice righteousness. You better study that word. You better get it in you. Because watch this. When, we, when, when I close this laptop and go home, my focus is Dr. Hardy and, and them kids and my household. I'm not, I'm not the spine pastor. 
I'm not. I'm not calling everybody Sierra. Hey, what's going on over there in Shea House? <laughs> not at all. So if you want it, you better get it. If you say you want it, you better go get it. A Patreon child has humbled themselves and is now considered great in the kingdom, which means they are exalted, which means they have received a greater grace. All right. Verse six. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to fall away. It would be better for him if a heavy millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Now, I have to make y'all understand this. I want you to notice that this is we ask Jesus speaking. This is we ask Jesus, fully mature Jesus was the one who was tearing the temple up. Oh, boy. But look what he's telling us. Whoever calls, now, this is how serious this is. When you get to the level where you are humbling yourself and you know your father and you are trying to do the right thing, woe, the scripture says, woe to where offenses will come, but woe to the one who brings offenses. Now, this is a hard saying, okay? He's saying, if you make one of these fall away. Now, this is what fall away means. It means stumble. Okay, it means if you entice them to sin, if you cause them to begin to distrust and desert the one who they ought to trust and obey. That's half the pastors. This is where church hurt comes from. This is why people have to leave churches. They have to leave churches because when you get to a certain state, okay, and the members and the ministry is making that person fall away from the father, he has to move them. Because if he does not move them, he will have to destroy the ministry. I mean, look at the description of it. It would be better. It would be better. So he's saying, before you offend, it would be better. So don't offend them. Instead, do this. Take a heavy millstone, wrap it around your neck, and drown yourself in the depths of the sea. Now, he didn't say in a, just in war. He said in the depths. So go to the deepest part. Take you a boat, go to the deepest part, tie something around your neck, and just jump off before you offend one of my children who are trying to humble themselves, who know that I'm their father. I know why he told me to leave certain ministries with this doctrine. Because had I not, if I didn't hurt him, he was going to hurt him. <laughs> now, that's crazy, ain't it? He said it would be better. Mark 10, chapter 13. And they were bringing children to him so that he might touch them, pray for them, bless them. Okay. But the disciples rebuked them. I told y'all, sometimes it's the leaders. <laughs> sometimes it's the leaders that do it. 
Sometimes it's the siblings. All right. Verse 14. But when, G when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, permit the patients to come to me. Do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as them. So he's letting us know that a pation at the pation level, the kingdom, what it belongs to you. I'm, at the pation level, I'm trying to get this to you. Like I said, how how was we growing? How was we growing? Can somebody tell me? How was we growing? Verse 15, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a pation will not enter at all. So if you never get to the pation level, you never experience the kingdom. If you stay at a nepios level, you never touch what belongs to you and you stay stuck in the condition of Adam working from the ground that is cursed. Making decisions on your own. Verse 16. And he took them in his arm and began blessing them, laying his hands on them. Now, The Pation child is extremely blessed. This is where you start to be receive your blessings, where you start. Amen? This is where you start. But watch this. Knowing the Father and humility. Knowing the Father and humility gets you your blessings. Not intellectually knowing the Father, not saying I know the Father. That's why the Bible says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. The whole beatitudes that Jesus is given, he's given letting them know that when you reach a certain level, blessings come to you. Now, blessings are just divine favors. That's it. It's just the, you get divine favor. So when you become poor in spirit, which means you realize I don't know my father's kingdom. I have no idea what I'm called to do. I don't know my life. I don't know how to preach. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to prophesy. I don't even know how to walk. I don't know how to talk. I don't know how to live in the spirit. I don't know anything. He says, you know what? The kingdom is yours. Now, that's odd because the world we live in, the more intellectual knowledge you have, the more understanding, the more degrees you have, we think the kingdom belongs to us. Total opposite. It's inverted. We're trying to be like them. I, try, I was trying. I told you I wanted to get my doctor, too. I want to be called doctor. Come on now. 
Don't you want to be called a doctor? Everybody want to be. That gets you indoors. I don't care what you say. Just when I introduce this, my wife, Dr. Hardy, that just feel good just saying it. <laughs> okay? But as soon as women hear she a doctor, no matter where we go, okay, we be out of town, and we went out of town to this, um, to this religious gathering, and as soon as they introduced us and told her my wife was a doctor, half the women flocked over there. They want, because why? Because they see somebody who has attained something that they would like to attain, and they have questions. Notoriety is good in the space, but you know what? That means absolutely nothing in the spirit. Because you can be a doctor and be a nepios. <laughs> you can have more degrees in a thermometer and not know the father. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Y'all see this stuff? He's trying to get us the blessings, but all he's asking us to do is become a child. That's why 2 Chronicles 4, watch it, it's always about what we do in response to what he's doing. That's why he even told him in 2 Chronicles 7 and 14, if my people, y'all know this, come on now, if my people who were called by my name would do what? Humble themselves. If my people who were called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, 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 that's a line in the sand, then I'm not moving. Heaven's not moving. If you trust in the Lord with all your heart, do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Then he will direct your path. If you submit yourself to God and resist the devil, then he will flee. You know why he ain't fleeing? Uh-oh. You know why you're not hearing from him? You know why he's not directing your path? It's, an, it's some stuff on the other side that you're not doing. He letting you know, I want to direct your path. I want to answer you. I want to heal the land. I want to bless you. But all you have to do is just get poor in spirit. I want to bless you. Just get meek. Blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. Who want to be persecuted for his name's sake? Now, come on. Now, now we raising our hand, but we don't want to do it when it's happening. We don't want it when it's happening. When they're talking about you like a dog. <laughs> when they're neglecting you, when they will not let you have what you know belongs to you, you don't feel like that then. When the disciples went into, in the book of Acts, the disciples got beat for speaking the name of Jesus. When they got done, they left and rejoiced that they were able to get beat for this name. We ain't trying to follow that example. I ain't, I ain't trying to get beat. And, no, no, no. I'm still ready to fight, okay? 
But, but watch this. Jesus knew that. Jesus knew this. Watch this. Let me say this. Let me say this. You would not run the father's household. <laughs> you would not run. You know how kids try to take over your house and they're going to do everything that way? Not in this kingdom. He already gave you the then. <laughs> if you don't do this, this not going to happen. Jesus even knew that. Look at how he told us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Then give me. <laughs> they said, teach me how to pray. He broke it down to him. Okay, this is how you pray. First, you got to know that he's your father. Then you got to represent his name. Then you have to desire for his will to be done in earth as it is in heaven. Then ask for your, your daily bread. Don't come to him asking him for your daily bread and you have not done the above. Okay. Your inheritance is going to require you to be responsible. All right? You're going to have to be responsible for your life. Now, we have two words there, respond and ability. So the ability that he gives you, you're going to have to respond. When he say pray, what that mean? That mean go pray. It's, all, it's always a test to see if you're ready. That's why I told you, people, people are going to be cussing you out in the weeks to come. I'm telling you, I'm prophesying to you. People are going to be cussing you out. You're not going to get opportunities that you thought that you should have. And it's only to see your heart. It's only to see how you're going to respond. That's it. Why? Because it all belongs to you. The answer is either yes or amen. Jesus was sent in the wilderness to be tested. That word tested me. He wanted to ascertain the quality of his soul. Now, anytime the father put Jesus in a position and say, I'm only putting him in this position to see the quality of his soul. What school you think you're going to go through? And the first thing Satan says to him is. If you be the son of God. Where did he hit him at? Child. Now, that word son means we us. If you are a mature child of God, turn this bread, this stone into bread. That's the place where Satan hates us at. The Bible said that when the father brought the firstborn before the angels. Book of Hebrews. He told the angels, worship him. That's when Satan said, no, I don't think so. I will exalt my kingdom far above yours. And that's when Jesus said, I saw him fall like lightning. So the, Satan hates you because you're a child of God. All he want to do, Dre, is prove to the father that you're not worth it. You're not worth it. But the father ain't trying to hear it. That's why the Bible said that Satan is always accusing the brethren before the father. He's always, he has access to him because he's an angel. 
Because he's an angel, he has access to your soul because the angels are told to minister to those who are heirs of salvation. So Satan has access to your soul, but he can't touch your body. He can't touch your spirit unless you invite him in. Only thing he can tell you that you're not. You have to agree. You can't. You have to agree. You better not. You have to agree. If you don't agree, you give him no power. The moment you agree, you give him your power. So he wants to use the fact that you don't know that you're God's child against you. I know he hate us, but he can't do nothing about it. <laughs> I had these visions sometimes. It might be goofy, y'all, but I had these visions that I walked down, I walked outside in my backyard. And I seen a nine-foot man standing there. I unloaded the clip. It went through him, so I figured he would, this a demon. And I smiled. I smiled, because it's on. It's on. I want to fight the devil. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie. I want him to come alive in person, show up in my front. Please. I know who I am. I know. He's scared of me. The Bible said he's as a roaring lion. So he get loud and hoping you back off. He's as a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion. He's as a roaring lion. You feel me? He's just loud. The Bible says when we see who he is, we're going to be like, is this the one that calls all the... All right. Luke 2 and 40. I got two more scriptures. Now, because this child knows his father, this child grows. All right. Because he knows his father, this is a totally different type of growth. Now, this is talking about Jesus. All right. This scripture is extracted from a conversation talking about Jesus. It says, and the child grew and became strong in the spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon his life. The pation grows and becomes strong in the spirit, which means your spiritual stature changes, which means the angels see you totally different now, which means the demonic sees you totally different now. The Pation child grows and becomes strong in the spirit. Because at the Nepios level, they were all flesh. Now you have some spiritual substance to yourself. That's why he says you're growing strong in the spirit and, in, and, and now you are filled with wisdom. And the grace of God is upon you. So this is where you start to Get your spiritual intelligence. The Pation starts to understand some of the ways of the Father's kingdom. 
He starts to understand some of the do's and some of the don'ts of the kingdom. He starts to understand the systems of the kingdom. This is how this system works. This is how that system works. Because watch this, at the Nepios level, you can't quite put your finger on why do I have to give to get more money? That doesn't make sense. I feel uncomfortable explaining it to people who are not saved. I just do because I know you can't understand it. There's no way I'm going to be able to convince you that if you come and give some money, that from heaven, money going to come to you. It sounds like a fairy tale. But this is where you begin to learn that when I forgive others, it's more forgiveness going to come to me. You begin to learn that whatever I plant, I'm going to harvest that. You begin to know, okay, if I'm not kind, I'm not representing my father. If I'm not showing love, I'm not representing my father. You start to actually grow in wisdom, the wisdom of God, not the wisdom of man. Then it says, and the grace of God was upon him, which means he had a, de a greater degree of the Holy Spirit that brought more favor. So what the angels and what the Holy Spirit would not do for an infant would now do for a pation. So a pation grows and becomes strong and it's, it's, it's not physical. It's not intellectual. This is not about money. Okay. It's not about money. How I many y'all know you can have a lot of, it's people who are not saved. They got a lot of money. Okay. Having a lot of money does not mean that God's blessing you. I, I need to remove that from your head. Okay. Because you have money, that does not mean you're blessed. Because most of the people who are not saved got all the money. <laughs> now, it's a part of being blessed, but that's not blessings. And for the sake of me, I want to say this. Um, I heard T.D. Jake say this. He calls it, he called it stinking thinking. All right. He called it stinking thinking. Don't look at a car and the car is 5,000 and you pray for God to reduce the price. Him reducing that price is not a blessing. You getting some on sale is not a blessing. I got to kill it. It's a sacred cow, but I got to kill it. You getting something on sale is not a blessing. The kingdom don't work like that. The kingdom works in add and multiply. It don't work in subtraction. God don't need you to save $100. He don't need you to switch to Geico. <laughs> Come on. That's not a blessing. We got to stop that. Oh, man. Somebody blessed me with 200. $200 is not a blessing. I hate to tell you. Maybe if you don't have no money, you dead broke, you can see that's a blessing. But no, not when your father has an entire kingdom. That's not a blessing. That's favor. All right. 
Now, after, now, the thing about the Patteon child that you have to understand also is that um, once you hit the Patteon level, it's as if you kind of go silent in the spirit, all right? Because humility will cause you to talk less, all right? It does because you have to think before you say anything, all right? Because you want to make sure that you're pleasing the Father, that's why after this scripture, I don't think we've seen Jesus again until he turned 30. After his patty on level, we didn't see him again until he was a weas, until he was getting baptized. After, he, after this, he submitted himself to his parents because this is the scripture in which he went back to Jerusalem and was sitting in the temple and they were looking for him for three days. <laughs> After this, he submitted himself and he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and with man. All right. First Corinthians 14 and 20. Brethren, do not be patteons in your thinking. Do not be patteons in your thinking. Yet in evil be nepios. But in your thinking be mature. So a pation is still a little child. It's still a little child. And although you're humble, although you have attained the kingdom and you can touch your inheritance, although you are blessed, you still need to grow in the area of maturity, especially in the way that you think. Because at the patio, you're still a child. You still think like a child. But that's okay. You think like God's child. That's why he says, do not be children in your thinking. He could have said nepios. He could have said technon. Okay. It's a lot of symbolism in the Bible. The reason why they're saying these things. And like I told you, our language is just totally different. So if we were reading this, okay, in our language, we would not read brethren. Do not be children. We will be brethren. Do not be little children. We will read uh, uh, brethren. Do not be infants. Or we'll read, brethren, do not be teenagers. Or we'll read, brethren, do not be young adults. But because it's in the Greek, you only have son, child, children. You got to study. So now, the, the uh, Pation child is humble and aware but still needs to grow in its thinking. Why? Because this is a child in between the ages of 6 and 12. Now, how was you thinking at the age of 6 and 12, between 6 and 12? Okay? You just now learned how to clean your bedroom. You still talking about everybody your friend, even people who just beat you up. <laughs> oh, you know, everybody was your friend at this age. That's my friend. That's my friend. <laughs> so the Pation still needs to learn how to be an infant towards evil. So you still don't have the right mind, mind uh, uh, um, to go on and be a technon, and you're still not an infant to evil things. Why? Because you just left the Nepio stage. So at the Pation, you're still fleshly. You still battle with fleshly issues, but now you are a little more spiritual. You no longer think like a patty on, 
I mean like a, a nepios, but now you think like a pation. You no longer speak like an infant. Now you speak like a pation. You know a child coming up, they can barely get words out, now all of a sudden they talk. Why is it that we want kids to hurry up and talk and walk, and then the first thing we tell them is sit down and shut up? I just wanted to know. We can't wait for kids to walk and talk, and the first thing, boy, sit down and shut up. <laughs> so the pation has learned to mortify the deeds of the flesh through the spirit. The pation lets the engrafted word save their soul. The pation still hasn't achieved the ultimate goal, which is weas. It is spiritually increasing and naturally decreasing, but has not arrived there yet. Amen? So, what we need to do, we still need to practice righteousness. All right? If we're going to move from level to level, it's going to be because you've been practicing righteousness. Who in here does not know what I mean when I say practicing righteousness? Who in here does not know what I mean when I say that? Okay. So, this is all we're going to do for the Pation stage. And next week, we're going to do the Technon stage. Y'all learned something? Amen. Let us close.